0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
0: I have the swine flu. Actually, yes. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's uh, – I'm, I'm beyond the contagious stage. But if you the guys think I sound a little weird or maybe even sounded weird in past episodes because the episodes we recorded last week, I was already coming down with it. That's why. And uh, I can report that it kind of is awful. It's very much like the flu. It is, um, except that apparently I now also have the uh, uncontrollable urge to lick pigs. <laughs> All right. So I'm let's, not, uh, and that of course leads I'm not going directly. To touch that. It, yes. I was about to say it leads directly into our topic. Um, now I don't have a listener mail for this sp- specifically. We did have a request <sighs> for this topic and it was from a listener. Oh, okay. And it did arrive in mail, but our listener, Thomas, sent in several requests for, uh, different tech stuff podcast episodes, right? Right. Like he, he had about five or six different, uh, list, uh, T- topics listed. And so we're just going to tackle one of those today. And that one is touchscreens. Yay. And of course, touchscreens are becoming more and more uh, ubiquitous, you know, ever present, all over the place. Yep. Uh, because of uh, things like smartphones. You got a lot of cell phones out there that now have touchscreens. Um, you've got things like the iPod Touch. Yep. And Zoom. E-book HD. readers.
1: Sony has an e-book reader,
0: now, right? That has a touch screen. Yep. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of them Nintendo out there, DS. and of course, then there are always the other ones that have been around for ages. ATMs. ATMs. Yeah, good example.
1: Vending machines.
0: Or, um, yeah, vending machines. Oh, I I always think back to uh, Epcot, the old days of Epcot, where they would have a computer screen, and you could walk up to it and and touch the computer screen and uh, and, and pull up information about the park and about, you know, the different aspects of the park and make reservations. And this was back in the early eighties, you know, when Epcot first opened and, uh, and back then a touch screen seemed like frickin science fiction to me. Yeah.
1: It yeah. was,
0: it was pretty amazing because you didn't have to have like any sort of keyboard to get it. And in fact, that was, that was even before computer mouse had become really a commonplace item,
1: yeah, you know uh, some of those early touch screens, at least the ones that I used were sort of like touch 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 right. touch, touch, touch touch screens,
0: punch punch, <laughs> cry, mop up blood, yes, those were the uh the stupid thing doesn't work yeah the the, the technology has improved somewhat no it
1: has considerably
0: now, there are different touch screen technologies that uh that are commonly used today the the two most common when it comes to things like. Portable electronic devices, so things like MP3 players or or smartphones or whatever, would be resistive screens and capacitive screens. Yes, yes. All right. So let's talk about the differences between these two systems since these are the most common that you'll find out there. Okay. Uh, A resistive screen or resistive system, it consists of several layers of screens. It's like an onion of screens. Yes. And the way that this system works is when you press upon the screen, you compress these different layers together. And when they touch, it creates an electric circuit.
1: Right. Normally there are spacers that keep the two – the the layers apart.
0: Right. If those spacers were to be damaged and, and the, the, spa- the screen were to permanently be fused together, you would lose your resistive uh, – uh, capabilities. It would it would constantly be detecting a specific point of pressure somewhere on the screen. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So
0: those the spacers are very important
1: because basically where you're touching it, it, it uh, the computer is able to tell uh, basically the coordinates right. of where you're touching and it you know maps that up to what's being displayed on the screen and that's how it knows what you're touching and when.
0: Right. So there's a processor that is that's um, receiving this information uh, mm-hmm. based upon where the the different layers of the screen are touching, and that way it can it can give the correct response. So, for example, if you have a phone that has a resistive screen, touch screen, uh, and you're pushing the um, the call feature, mm-hmm. then it's going to map out the location of the touch, send that information to the processor. The processor says, "Hey, when this particular area on the screen is touched, that means that this action must be performed." And your phone makes a call. And this all happens very, very quickly. The ankle bone is connected to the foot bone. Something like that. <laughs> and old resistive screens had a, a few big disadvantages really compared to the other type, the capacitive screen. Do tell. Um, one of those was that the, uh, the, the different layers would somewhat obscure the light coming from the screen. So, you would only get a certain percentage of the light coming out of the screen that you would get if the if the screen were completely you know clear or transparent um yeah.
1: the layers had to be really thin, yes, in order for this to work properly
0: right, and some of them could uh, the some of them could detect things like the amount of pressure that you used and really the amount of pressure was coming from not how hard you were pushing but how much surface area of your finger. Or other whatever it was was in contact with the screen, um, and that could give it an indication of how hard you were pushing. Because the harder you push, the more of your finger is going to be against the screen. Um, so uh, that
1: whole punching thing not really effective.
0: No, that would be a bad idea. It's okay. pretty much a guarantee that you're going to break your resistive or any other touch screen. Um, the The other disadvantage was that early resistive screens couldn't do multi touch. Hmm. Um, it they They were not capable of of accepting two different points of contact at the same time and could not interpret that as a uh you know, a a legitimate command. Right now, of course, we've got a lot of devices out there that support multi-touch now. And most of those are using capacitive screens. However, I can report Mm -hmm. it is possible to create a resistive touch screen that supports multi-touch. You have to create a system that specifically supports this. You know, it's not just like any resistive screen could do this with a firmware update. Mm -hmm. You'd actually have to go through the manufacturing process. But Engadget has a video on their site of a uh, a pretty cool device um, this really was a concept uh, uh, prototype where uh, it's a resistive screen, it can detect pressure, and it is uh, it can detect multi-touch. One of the advantages of the resistive system to the capacitive system is that you don't have to... You can use pretty much anything to mm-hmm. contact the screen and, and give a command.
1: So it doesn't have to be your finger. It could be a stylus.
0: Right. It could be anything because. Or a dog. It could be a dog. Yes. It, it could be a rock. It could be <laughs> some Play-Doh. Um, it really doesn't matter because as long as it is able to make that pressure against the screen, that's going to count as a, uh, an input. Now, capacitive screens are different. Now, they, they actually have a layer that stores an electrical charge in them. That
1: would be the uh, capacitance layer?
0: Yes, thus the name. Kind of right. makes sense now, doesn't it?
1: Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean the capacitive layer is uh, you know storing electrons.
0: Right. So it's storing these electrons right there on the screen. When your finger comes in contact with the screen, this actually ends up transferring the charge to you. So mm. technically you are kind of getting a very mild shock.
1: I find that revolting.
0: Uh, do you? I thought yes. you'd get a charge out of it. <laughs> we can do this all day polite. Oh,
1: I know. And, and our listeners, uh, will depart cutting. like lightning. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that was it's, especially, well, it's nice. a
0: shocking kind of experience.
1: As long as you stay current.
0: Oh, but you know, I
1: could tell that
0: <laughs> oh. my
1: iPod touch has I'm, a capacitance screen because I'm stopping.
0: I'm hurting. This. Oh, go ahead. Um,
1: because you know sitting out and waiting for the bus or the train to bring me to work here in the morning in the winter time and having gloves on you can't change you know the volume on your iPod because you know my bare skin you know the gloves won't right because they aren't for the charge. not conductive they don't so. they
0: don't they won't pick up the charge like your skin would yes um, which actually, is irritating when your hands are cold if you are but otherwise. If you, if you are outside on a really cold, dry day, you might have problems getting that capacitive screen to work at all. Uh, capacitive screens work best when there's at least a little bit of humidity to help mm-hmm. conduct that electricity. Well, it's a good so thing we're in the south. Right, yeah. But if it were a really cold, dry day, uh, you might find that your touch screen's not very responsive. It's not necessarily because your phone is cold. It may be because you don't have the moisture on your finger that helps create that, that electrical uh, uh, connection. and um,
1: Well, see, that's good because I like licking my iPod, so that explains why it always works pretty well. Also explains
0: why I have the swine flu. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, capacitive screens actually do support multi-touch if you create the right hardware and software around it. Right. They don't automatically, This not like magically supports it. You have to build the system around it. Um, and of course, if you were to build the system around it, you could very... Possibly uh, engender the wrath of Apple because they patented it. They mm. patented multi-touch for uh, for mobile devices.
1: That was really smart of them.
0: It, it's also incredibly mean because well, the Android operating yes. system. Actually supports multi-touch, but it is not um, enabled in any Android device that I know of. Specifically, I assume I, because I they say, haven't
1: licensed the patent.
0: I should yeah, I should assume it's because of this patent. And if if the phones were to support multi-touch, then it could very well be even if it's not directly in um, violation of the patent. I'm sure that an argument could be made, and then you've got a costly legal battle. So that would be why the iPhone is this great multi-touch uh, device, and most other devices don't support multi-touch in the same way. Yes. Um, some of you may be yelling, "Hey, what about the Microsoft Surface?" We'll get to that. It's a, it's a totally different animal. But the capacitive system, so it, you know, like I said, it's, it's it detects this electrical uh, connection, and that it's in a way it does the same sort of thing as the resistive screen in the sense that it finds out, you know, it says where the, the connection happens on the screen. It maps that to a specific command and then the processor executes that
1: command. So the big difference between the two systems is how it, uh, how the electrical connection is made. Yeah. Basically the one, once the, the uh, circuit or, you know, is, is completed. Right, and a, an electrical connection is made. The computer on the other end figures out where it is and what it's supposed to be doing at that point.
0: Right, and and again with capacitive screens, you would have to use something like a finger or mm-hmm. you know your nose or you know something that could create uh, could accept this charge from the screen. You couldn't use something that was uh, passive like a, a stylus
1: or the rock, a <laughs> aforementioned rock.
0: Right, you could possibly use a dog, depending on what part of the dog was touching. The screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, like claws or nose or something. Yes. But, uh, well,
1: nose, you have a different problem altogether. Of
0: course. Well, yeah. Well, but at least some of us can leave a lot of humanity. finger smudges already. So, um, but, yeah, if you wanted to use a stylus with a capacitive screen, you would have to have a stylus that had an active point on it that mm-hmm. could accept that charge. Otherwise, uh, you, you wouldn't get anything out of it. Right. So that actually makes me wonder what the Microsoft Courier tablet, the prototype that we we we've seen a video that was more or less an animation of this prototype tablet that Microsoft is coming out with. It's got two screens and it has a touch screen interface, and it shows people flicking through with their well. It shows an animation of a finger flicking through pages, um, and it also shows an animation of a, like a stylus writing on a page. So I kind of wonder what kind of touchscreen technology it's playing on using. If if they're using going to use resistive or they're going to use capacitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another choice, but you don't see it that often in in smaller devices. It's the the surface acoustic wave system. Really. Yeah, now this is something that you would see in, in more often in things like ATMs and, and uh, bigger displays. Uh, but what this uses is a couple of transducers, and they are placed along the X and Y axes of the glass plate of the monitor. Mm-hmm. And whenever it, it sends an electrical signal, uh, one transducer sends it to another transducer, and there are reflectors on there to kind of reflect the signal from one to the other. When something makes contact with the screen... It disturbs that electrical wave, mm-hmm. and by measuring the disturbance, the touchscreen knows where uh, it was touched. That when I say knows, of course, we're talking about a processor that it, right that that uh, yeah, the screen itself
1: this. is sort of passive. Yeah, it? the screen
0: itself does not know. Um, it's not magic, and it doesn't. It's not sentient. Right. It, once touchscreens become sentient, sexual harassment lawsuits will go through the roof. <laughs> Because of inappropriate touch nice. screen interface. Nice. Yeah. Let's we'll see if that stays in. The uh, <laughs> so <laughs> at any rate, at any rate, the the surface acoustic wave system uh, is not often you now for one thing, you, the equipment that you need in order to make this thing work is kind of um, big. Yes. It Wouldn't really be easy to miniaturize this into a a mobile
1: like into a format. Um, MP3 player.
0: Right. So you wouldn't want to. Try and use this kind of technology in your in your general mobile device because it would make it right. too fat, too heavy. Um, and of course, we all want sleek and stylish. Uh, I know I do. Well, I mean, you know, the iPod pretty much proves that the uh, the sleek and stylish approach is uh is really popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good product anyway, but I think that the style is definitely a, a large contributing factor to the the popularity of the iPod line. So, at any rate, uh. Capacitive resistive—that's the two that you're going to see the most often in your uh, in your average mobile devices. Um, the iPhone uses a capacitive screen, mm-hmm. and like we said before, it actually can detect multi-touch. So that means that you can use gestures uh, instead of just touching to give commands. Things like pinching—you know, like if you pinch. Like, No, not, I'm not actually pinching Paulette. I want to make that clear. I've already made one sexual (laughs) harassment joke. uh, I am not, I am not even within pinching range of Paulette. Um, he has barricaded himself in the corner and he's perfectly safe. I got my blankie. Yes. He does have his blankie. (laughs) No, but, uh, but, you know, like, like when you want to, when you want to squish or enlarge a photo by doing various pinching motions, or if you're panning or whatever, mm-hmm. these are gestures. Right. Okay. But so these are commands that your phone should or MP3 player or whatever mm-hmm. should be able to recognize as a very general command as opposed to open up this application, I want to use it. It's more of a, you know, I'm I'm manipulating something, rotating a picture, or, you know, uh, scrolling from one screen screen to another. That kind of thing. And um I mean regular touch screens can Identify some gestures as well. It's just multi-touch can identify more complex gestures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much the, the basis there. I mean, the, the both kinds of display or both kind of touch screens are fairly accurate if mm-hmm. they're done well. Right. Um, the execution has to be there, but there's nothing about either, uh, Either technology that makes one far more accurate than the other mm-hmm. um, they're both challenging to do well, but if you do uh, you know if you do the the good work, then either one should be more than accurate enough for the average user um, the resistive screens are much cheaper mm-hmm. than capacitive screens, yeah um, capacitive seems to have the Probably more support among the technology savvy crowd. They they seem to like the capacitive screens more, probably because of things like the the old resistive screens were harder to you know it was harder to see the images. They were scratch they weren't scratch proof. They they could get scratched pretty easily because the screens had to be you know, soft enough for you to press them in a little bit. Right. Um. But if you're concerned with manufacturing a device that's going to be uh, an inexpensive one for your customers then the resistive screen is a more attractive approach because it's less expensive for those components
1: right if right. you're
0: doing a premium product capacitive is probably the way to go
1: yeah well it seems like you know over the past few years with the ubiquitousness of these devices it's you know it's harder to find the implementation done poorly it seems that, that more and more people are getting it right, which is what's making you know, applications for these devices more and more common.
0: And a, a lot of the, the problems with touchscreens have more to do with the underlying operating system than the technology of the screens themselves. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So like older operating systems for smartphones are tend, tend to have a little more trouble with touchscreens than the more recent ones. You mm. might have an older... Phone that's running an older version of Windows Mobile, for example, that uh, is is not as responsive as newer versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Microsoft's philosophy right now is, from now on, going forward, smartphones running running Windows Mobile will have resistive screens. Mm-hmm. Smartphones that will run the Windows Mobile or the Windows Seven. Modific- modified uh right. operating system for mobile devices will have multi-touch and will be capacitive screens. Right. So that's kind of interesting. They've actually developed two different strategies uh that and each one focuses on a specific technology.
1: Well it makes sense that they they would try to keep the cost down by using a resistive screen in a you know more consumer device
0: and yeah. higher
1: end screens.
0: Yeah it's it's actually a pretty clever approach, I think. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: The only thing I could think of that might cost them more money down the road is by having the complexity of having another system in another device and it's another thing they have to tool up for and another thing they have to support.
0: Yeah. Well, they've also got <clears throat> issues with their their Windows Mobile Store and there there are a lot of things. What? That, <laughs> there are issues? There are a lot of things Microsoft has any, to look at.
1: Yeah. Never any issues with technology.
0: I was going to mention also that uh, Research in Motion also known as Rim, Reus. yes, the the company behind BlackBerry, mm-hmm. they filed a patent in January two thousand eight for a hybrid resistive capacitive screen. It would have both resistive and capacitive layers. I tried reading this patent to figure out how it would work for this podcast, and I think I would need another three or four days to really get through it to understand it um i I can't even pretend to go into the science behind it because so, so part of it is written in Martian <clears throat> well, it's written in patent ease and uh, patent okay so it's a, a
1: level of difficulty above
0: Martian It's slightly more difficult than Martian um, and then I said we were going to talk about the Microsoft <laughs> surface so oh yes we that's talk about right. that very quickly. So the surface It doesn't is, use a
1: capacitive <clears throat> or resistive scheme, no, it does, does it? It does not.
0: It does not. It is uh if you don't know what it is, it is a table like device. It has a monitor on the top of it. So uh you would sit down at one of these things. And it has a uh a big screen that you can touch and manipulate things on the screen. You can have images there, you can play games and it can detect dozens of different touch points. So it's not just, you know, two finger touching. You could have a game where five people are sitting around this table and are playing a little pinball game or whatever, and each right. one's controlling a set of flippers. Cool. You know, or tons of other different applications. It does not use capacitive or resistive touch screens. Instead, it uses cameras and an image recognition uh, software that is in the infrared spectrum. So these cameras are pointing up from inside the, um, the device. They're pointing up. At the screen, the screen surface, and they detect the points of contact and then send that information to the processor, which then, uh, you know, translates it into a command. The neat thing about this is you can use multiple objects on the surface and and automatically transmit commands. So let's say that you have a an MP3 player that can wirelessly sync with a computing device. So let's say you've got a a Microsoft Zune. Okay. and you lay this down on the surface.
1: Right. The surface. The surface of the surface. The surface
0: of the surface, yes. You <laughs> could lay it on the screen of the surface. And you could sync your device with the surface automatically just by laying it on the screen because it would detect the the shape and size of that. Say, hey, you know what that is? That's a Zune. Uh, and it, it just automatically has the command that when that device is placed on there, it will sync.
1: That's very cool.
0: Yeah. So there are a lot of interesting <clears> – <throat> swine flu. Interesting um, – <laughs> uh, applications for this device. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up because technically that's not even, if you think of it as uh, a touch screens, it's not really a touch screen. It's really all because of the camera, and yeah. you had a similar device you wanted to mention briefly, right?
1: Well, yeah, because, uh, you know, as we were talking beforehand, I started thinking about other devices like that. Um, and, uh, one of the ones that, uh, our friends at stuff from the B side, uh, Recorded and actually, uh, John Fuller wrote about the uh, React table. Yes, which uh, uses a series of acrylic shapes on a, a, a Microsoft Surface-like surface um, mm-hmm. to uh, control music. And I started thinking about how that worked. And you said uh, basically it's the same, you know, a similar situation. You have cameras underneath the table, right? And I remember from editing that that yes, it's got um, it's got a screen on which the uh, shapes. Sit and it's you know the the camera is tracking where those those different pieces are, and it says okay well this is a this is a circle I know I'm, you know when it's a circle it controls the beat it does, you know it's a square it does this, so that's uh that's yeah very so depending
0: cool. on the the position of those and the position and configuration right. of those different objects it'll create a different set of sounds,
1: yep and you can rotate things and it you know it You'll knows because it's it right. of the shape and the position of the the uh implement that it has to do a certain thing.
0: Yeah, I've seen similar applications which would do things like even incorporate stuff like colors. So you mm-hmm. might have a uh one circle that's blue and one circle that's red and it actually translates to two different commands. So you could have multiple circles on the same sort of surface and and it would yeah, again, mostly it's it tends to be things for like music, performance art. I think Bjork uh toured with one of these. Yeah, she did. Yeah.
1: So um uh the thing is, know. my question is if you you know, have an instrument that's using you know reds and yellows. Can it help you play the blues?
0: Let's move on. Okay, I'm glad that we have exhausted touchscreen, or at least I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, but then again, I've got a swine flu. So.
1: Yes, I mean my uh, puns aren't helping.
0: I'm sure. Let's move on to a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Chase and uh Chase is an Oregonian living in Osaka, Japan. Wow. He's also very verbose. Chase, I loved your email and I responded to Chase already, so I'm going to have to sort of summarize Chase's email here. Sounds good. Um but he said that he had an he has an iPod Touch and he got an application called Anti-Young Free. Mm-hmm. Which emits a sound that only young people or people who took very good care of their ears can hear. I work at a high school, so I decided to test it out on a class of 15 to 16 year olds. I got them all to stand up and then pushed the button to turn the sound on and told everyone to sit down if they could hear something. To my surprise, eight of the 40 students remained standing and mystified. According to the descriptions for this app, people who people should be able to hear it until they are around 20 to 30 years old. I'm 25 years old and cannot hear it, but my wife, who's 24, freaked out when I turned the sound on. That aside, I also discovered a number of other apps to do things like repel mosquitoes or act as dog whistles. And he wanted to know, one, how does it work? And two, is it doing any damage to his speakers? Let's take the second one first. Most speakers can emit sounds that are well beyond the range of human hearing. And so they're per- perfectly capable of doing this. Nothing bad is going to happen, um, you know, on its own because that's what speakers do. They're capable of emitting these sounds. It's not, not like it's suddenly ripping itself apart, right? But the first part about how does it work? Well, humans can hear in a range of of sound frequencies that uh, it's between about twenty hertz and twenty thousand hertz, give or take a few thousand. All depends on who you ask, really. But twenty and to twenty thousand. Whether you're male or female. And of course, as we get older, we start to lose the capability of hearing that complete range. What? And in general, we lose the the upper ranges first. And so if you are in your late 20s, early 30s, you may only be able to hear up to 14,000 hertz or 16,000 hertz or 16 kilohertz if you prefer. But um so anything above that frequency, you just you don't you don't hear it. But younger people could still hear that. And in general, human beings don't like high pitched noises. They tend to irritate us. Um, which is, you know, why Chris likes to drown me out, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry, were you we saying something? At any rate, so that's how that really works, is that as we age, we just naturally begin to lose that ability. And some of us lose it more slowly than others. So you may find someone who's 32 who can hear the same thing that a 16-year-old can hear. Or you may find a you know a 14-year-old kid who can't hear anything at all from that particular range. Um, it's very subjective. There are no hard and fast rules. But in general, if you're talking about big numbers, that's kind of how it works. So thanks for writing in, Chase. If any of you have any questions, concerns, criticisms, suggestions for episodes, you can write us, techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Remember, we have a live show every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find that if you go to the blogs uh, uh, over at HowStuffWorks.com. And Crispy and I will talk to you again. Hopefully, I will be talking without a raspy voice really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?